bienvenidos a Radio Menea. I'm Vero Valletti Flores. And I'm Miriam Suela Perez, and we are two Latinx friends with wildly different music tastes. Each week we bring you music from the Latinx artists we love, and this week we have a very special guest with us, and we are doing a whole episode about Argentina with Jasmine Garst. Hi, hola. Thanks for having me. Thank Welcome. Thank you so here. much for coming. Yay. Let's take another listen to this first pick. Jasmine picked all the music for this episode, so let's take another listen to this first pick, and then we'll, we'll get to talk more. This is Tita Merelo. Se dice de mí. Critican si ya la línea perdí. Se fijan si voy, si vengo o si fui. Se dicen muchas cosas, mas si el bulto no interesa, ¿por qué pierden la cabeza ocupándose de mí? Yo sé que muchos que desprecian comprar quieren suspiran y se mueren cuando piensan en mi amor. Y más de uno se derrite si suspiro y se queda si no miro resoplando como un foro. Si fea soy, pongámosle que de eso no me enteré. En el amor yo solo sé que a más de un gil dejé de a pie. Podrán decir, podrán hablar y murmurar y rebuznar. Mas la fealdad que Dios me dio, mucha mujer me la envidió y no dirán que me engrupí porque modesta siempre fui. Yo soy así. Y yo ocultan de mí So Jasmine is here because we first met when you were doing Alt Latino. Yeah, on NPR. Yeah, so if you all if you all um, are Latinx music listener podcast listeners then you all are already familiar with Alt Latino. If not, you should go ahead and listen. Um, but now, where are you at, Jasmine? Uh, right now, I cover uh, tech and the economy for NPR. So maybe not as fun as music. Yeah. <laughs> still interesting and, and relevant. Important work. Yeah. Super, super important. So yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit more about this song and this artist? I mean, how many guests do you guys have that bring a, an artist from like the early 1900s? <laughs> <laughs> this is why I love you're it. here. I love, I love the stuff. throwbacks. I love the throwbacks. Um, way throwback. I mean, I, I love tango. I guess if you talk about Argentine music, you have to talk about tango. Um, you know, I love the history of tango. It really fuses a lot of of elements are you know Buenos Aires was was a, it is a port city and mm -hmm. uh, you know it fuses elements of like you know all types of music you know from like African to uh, Italian to you know everything and it, it's it's a it's a type of dance uh, like many dances uh, like bachata even there's mm -hmm. like a parallel that kind of starts out um, in red light districts mm -hmm. right and so Tango, like if you look at the way it's danced, it's like super sexual and it started out in brothels actually. Mm -hmm. um, and it was initially danced between among men. Uh, oh, wow. Like two guys would dance Very it. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and, and like the lyrics, like the initial lyrics are just like, I, I probably can't even like say them here. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, say oh, wow. <laughs> you know, it's like, we don't have super any bleeping. It's fine. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really like it's like porn, you know. Yeah. It's just like wow. really like out there. Um, and yeah, there was this whole thing. Like, there's this um, 
in, instead of saying, there, like a lot of Argentine language today originates in tango. And for example, to throw shade is to like eh, cortar el rostro, like mm. to, um, to knife someone's face. Mm-hmm. And that's something that would happen in like the environment of tango. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm really interested in is like the women of tango. Because in order to exist in that environment, um, and I just realized every artist I brought today is a woman. Yes, <laughs> we Beautiful. love that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a feminist history feminist. of Argentine music. Um, <laughs> but the women of tango had to be super tough, you know, mm-hmm. in order to exist in, in, you know, and it was like one of the environments in Argentine music where, you know, like there was like Afro-Argentine uh, tango mm-hmm. singers and there was a really strong presence also of like um, Italian-Argentine singers like Tita Merelo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. she's probably like the rowdiest. Like I like to think of her of, as like a little Kim. Mm. You know, she's very rowdy. I wow. love that. Wow. I mean, how many singers in like again, like early 1900s, will say something like, you know, those of you who think I'm ugly haven't seen me in a nighty. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Why, Jasmine? Why were men dancing tango together to, with each other? It was I'm assuming it was not like a queer sexual thing at the time. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think I it must have gotten sexual like to dance is is always sexy i think it was more about like prohibitions uh, about dancing um and so yeah it was initiated among men that's so um, interesting which is which is so it's just fantastic it's so interesting Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah yeah. and this you know she she talks so much about like this like working class i mean i think you know she's she's very like i think her parents were italian Mm -hmm. and so she has this very like almost like if you think can think of like the sopranos or something Mm -hmm. like she has this like attitude Mm. um and she's talking about like you know like literally she has songs like you know if you can't pay my bills don't ask me out on a date right (laughs) and this is like yeah Again, early 1900s. It's kind yeah. of crazy. Yeah. yeah. You and know? Yeah, we actually, so actually Vero brought her to um, a classics episode we did like early on, so people might recognize this song. And yeah, we talked then about it. she had a really difficult childhood, like her father died, and then she was in an orphanage for a while, and then her mother died when she was 16, and she had tuberculosis. Like she definitely kind of came from a pretty humble beginnings in that way and dealt with a lot as a child. Yeah, I love watching, if you look on YouTube, you can see, like, her black and white movies, and she's Mm. just kind of, like, sauntering around, and there's all these guys, and she's like, and I told you to shut up. Boss. She's she's amazing. She's really amazing. So good. It's really great to remember also that, you know, we think of, like, women who were strong and had attitude as, like, some really modern thing. And it's, like, not – that's not necessarily true, you know? Like, right. women have always been this way at different times. Mm. Absolutely. Like, I'm always really surprised that no one has done, like, uh, you know, some – like, mo- you know, you, we're getting – we're in this moment where, which I think we're, like, revisiting the 90s and mm-hmm. how, like, yeah. badly we treated women, like Lorena mm-hmm. Bobby or, like, mm. Lewinsky. Mm-hmm. I'm always surprised that, like, there hasn't been more of a retrospective on, like, I don't know, like, Billie Holiday and Mae West. Yeah. Like, something mm-hmm. a little more La Lupe. Like, mm-hmm. like, uh, like, you know, these women have existed and been uh, vilified and right. adored simultaneously for yeah. a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. totally true. How long were you part of Alt Latino? For, like, Seven years, yeah. I think. It was seven years. That's and, amazing. Uh, 
Yeah, I definitely feel like uh, Radio Menea picked up where we left off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. Were you there at the beginning? I was. I that's thought, amazing. I think that's how I met you, uh, Teresa. Yeah. I, I think I met you because we, you were like brainstorming. Yeah, it, yeah. It was really yeah. exciting. This yeah, project. yeah. I think Veto, like you and Veto already knew each other and then we connected and then you moved to D.C., for a brief period yeah. of time. Well, I was a fan of Vedos from her work with um, feministing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. It's a small little world. Well, that's so cool. I didn't realize you were there at the beginning. Do you remember, like, kind of what inspired you? Were you already, you were already doing audio when you got to NPR? Did you get NPR to be part of this new Latinx music podcast? Like, how did that play out? No, I was a producer. And okay. I was uh, good friends with Felix Contreras, yeah. who mm-hmm. ended up being my co-host. And we were both producers. And there was very little... Latinx content on NPR. Right, yeah. There still is. There's right. little. Uh, <laughs> um, shade. But, um, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, uh, but we loved Latin music. I mean, it wasn't even like something very conscious. It's like just something like I'm from Argentina. Fe- uh, Felix is um, Chicano. And mm-hmm. we grew up listening to this stuff. So we would just talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, on our, I would go, he was um, strategically seated next to the, um, uh, the snack dispensary. <laughs> so I would like go down at like, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon when you're having a really bad sugar low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'd go down to get like a pop tart and we just talk about music. Nice. And we decided, um, let's do a podcast about this. Uh, it, it felt very natural. And that was Amazing. like, what year did you all start it? That was a long time ago now. I feel like that was 2012. Yeah. So that was like early, yeah. early days, right? Of podcasting. Yeah. yeah that's amazing. Well, that sounds a lot like our origin story. It was just like, we just love to talk about music. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's start a podcast. So Jasmine, did you grow up with music? Like what was your childhood like when it came to music? Um, so my grandmother would sing a lot of boleros. So mm-hmm. my grand, so my mom actually grew up in Venezuela, oh, uh, in Caracas. Yeah. So she was like kind of Venezuelan Argentine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so she would sing a lot of like boleros venezolanos, mm-hmm. boleros eh, caribeños. Um, and it's really interesting because like my grandmother, so my grandfather, who was kind of a player, you know, he, uh, he <laughs> loved to go dance. <laughs> yeah, exacto. <laughs> and he loved to go, uh, you know, like dance tango, mm-hmm. like on the weekends, like he loved it. Um, and uh, milonga, which is like mm-hmm. a, a different kind of tango. But my grandmother, she saw tango still as something like very like inappropriate. Mm. Like she was just like, oh, like, she saw it as like, oh, esas cualquieras. And wow. Yeah. Like she saw it. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I wonder if like with songs that originate in like those kind of red light environments, like bachata, I wonder mm-hmm. if there's like a very much older generation that still sees it. Because like bachata mm-hmm. was prohibited. Right. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. they're definitely. Yeah. Long time, yeah. Yeah. Dominican friends whose parents like still look down on bachata and think it's like, yeah, it's, it's sort of inappropriate or it's something. It's like a very class based too, I think. Well, now that I'm thinking about it, the dance style of bachata is also super erotic. It's mm-hmm. like basically oh, very people much getting so. entangled yeah. with mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. 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 Very so, much so. Yeah. Um, and I loved cumbia, which is uh, the next song I brought. Yeah. Uh, you know, let me rephrase that. Cumbia was everywhere. Mm. I didn't necessarily like it growing up. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. I grew up in the 90s and I... I think, unfortunately, in a lot of Latin America, we had this mentality that everything that came from the U.S. was better. Yeah, mm. you definitely. Know? It's definitely a thing that 
I, you know, I, it's like, it's like the self-hatred, self, like, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's huge. And like, I remember like being at school parties and like, you know, like cumbia, 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 and just being like, when are I going to play some Backstreet Boys? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What are you like? Cumbia. Yeah. Because you miss it. And then you're like, why didn't I like this? I had the same experience even in the U.S. with like salsa and merengue and the things I grew up with. Like I didn't get into them until I really like left home and went to college and then got homesick and then started to listen to this music, you know? So I think it's like, it's common when we're dealing with these like bicultural, you know, experiences and trying to like assimilate with friends, but then also dealing with like what our parent like what our parents love and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, why don't we listen to some cumbia? Mm-hmm. The next song that Jasmine brought is by the Cumbia Queers, which I think we've, brought to the podcast in Mm. the past Mm -hmm. um and this is called chica de calendario about the cumbia queers <laughs> well um they are a a group of women um who um well it's half half of the band is a punk band called she devils um mm. and so it's like half mexican half argentine mm-hmm. um and you know again following the line of tita merelo cumbia in argentina is a very male dominated em- environment i think could you say that about all Latin America? Possibly. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. 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 And like music in general in Latin America. I yeah, mean, of right? course. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in the 90s when, so like late 90s when Argentina, like, like um, there starts to be like, so simultaneously, like there's a lot of immigration from like Paraguay, Bolivia, eh, toda la región andina, um, Brazil. And there's also, like, th- we have a really big collapse, like a big economic collapse. And, and cumbia starts to kind of become, I guess, what, like, gangster rap was in, in the U.S., like, which is, like, a narrative, like, it's a place where people who are in marginalized communities and, like, people of color in Argentina, too, can, like, talk about what is happening that nobody else is talking about, mm-hmm. right? So you get what's called cumbia villera. Um, which is in the Vichas, like which would be like favelas or mm-hmm. shanty towns, and you get people talking about like um, you know hunger or mm-hmm. like uh, you know police repression, and mm-hmm. it, it starts. It's like this much more slow, winding, raunchier um, 
slower paced uh, kind of cumbia. And it's interesting that that's the environment in which cumbia queers, this, um, you know, LGBT group of women, mm-hmm. um, come into. And they just, like, really killed it. And, yeah. and they owned it, you know? Yeah. They super owned it. And they're, like, really made a name for themselves in a, first of all, like a male-dominated genre, but also, like, as queer women, like... who've been around for a long time it's not like just like oh in the last like 10 years that they've been around and like where when it's like a lot easier to be out in the music industry not that it's easy now but yeah there's been like a big shift no and like it's they're very open too yeah like they're very like I don't know I've I've interviewed and 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 hung around uh, some of the members and they're very like you know they're very like into like anarchism Mm -hmm, and like mm -hmm you know, gender fluid, and they're just, like, very much, like, I don't know, they weren't doing that, like, you know, George Michael thing, where, like, he's, Mm -hmm. like, singing about, like, the lady in his life, and, like, how much he, you know, Ricky Martin, like, which, of course, like, you had to, maybe, at a certain point, like, whatever, but they were very openly, like, you know, I'm really into this calendar girl. Yeah. No metaphors there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Y'all they... need to go to the show notes and watch the music video yes. because it's truly something to look at. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, they started in 2007. So, I mean, you know, they're not recent, but they're also not, we're not talking about like the nineties, you know? So I do think that there's like a different cultural moment. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool what they're doing. Jasmine, when did you immigrate to the U.S.? Uh, I came in 2002 um, after, or more like during the collapse of the country. Um, And Mm -hmm. it was pretty spectacular. And I think, you know, it changed us culturally Mm. a lot. Um, I think something um, definitely that happened is uh, Argentina, um, I don't know, there was, I believe there was a moment of like humility, you know, Mm. of like, you know, there's of course the... uh, the uh, stereotype that we're very arrogant people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think something also happened in, like, the subsequent presidency um, where there was this cultural shift of Argentina being, like, very open, more open to uh, Latin American, other Latin American neighbors. And, like, when I was growing up, I this is an anecdote that I, I like to tell when I was little in the 90s during the, you know, the reign of, of terror of the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> <laughs> like, we would study at least in, in, in my public school, like, a map of Argentina, and it, like, there were no neighboring countries. They were just, like, floating in the wow. ether. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. I think that's changed a lot, and musically it's changed a lot. I also brought some um, authors that I think are doing really interesting stuff, um, and I think there's, like, a more of an openness to, to like, you know, talk about our own Latinidad. Yeah. And, and like, the, la Latinidad de, de como una hermandad latinoamericana. Mm. That's very, very cool. Yeah, you'd had a, a re, you'd had a, I really love this. You, like, included reading recommendations with a lot of the songs, <laughs> and we didn't get to talk about the one with Tita Merelo. Do you want to tell us about that? So, yeah, I, um, I'm a big, uh, Latin American literature. Yes. Um, I love that. I'm going to take these recommendations. Yeah. I need some reading right now. So something that really fascinates me is the, uh, there's like a, a horror, como horror, mm-hmm. horror uh, genre in, in Argentina. Mm. It's like very like Edgar Allan Poe. Um, very interesting. Yeah. And, and, and I just have been getting really into it. Mm-hmm. So I brought um, for Tita Merelo, 
Yeah, kind of around the same era, um, an author that I'm very interested in is Victoria Ocampo. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was very from the like the the bourgeoisie, uh, like high, like higher uh, social classes, but she writes like just these wonderful stories about like the pettiness of the bourgeois <laughs> and like yes. the it's like very like class revenge, but also ho- it's horror genre. Like there's this very one story that that I love about this very wealthy women, woman and um, these two girls that are kind of beggar girls, but like tailors. And like this woman is like, make me a beautiful dress. Mm-hmm. And they, they start to make it for her and they're laughing and giggling. And like they make it so tight that, well, I'm going to give it away. They kill her. Like they suffocate <laughs> oh, her. Wow. Oh, wow. And dark. it's like, it's it gets really dark. And it's, it's like very much a, a commentary on like, on class in, in Argentina and in, in Latin America, even, I would venture to say. So interesting. That sounds really cool. Yeah. And we'll put all the um, reading recommendations in the show notes, too. So if you're listening and want to make sure you get it, we'll put those in the show notes. So all question, right. before we go to the next song, just a question for you about, um, you know, thinking about your role with Alt Latino and then thinking about these songs you picked. Do you feel like you're more... Do you follow and are you more interested in sort of alternative music or is your taste broader than that? And that was kind of the focus that you all picked for that particular show. Yeah, that's interesting. We started out with alternative music, but I I do have to confess that I felt a little constrained by that Mm -hmm. um, because I, well, it's something I love about Menea is like, (laughs) it's a very pop and dance. Yeah, (laughs) I bring a lot of stuff. Um, I love that. I think of the friends Mm -hmm. with... uh, extremely different tastes I might be more like better (laughs) Um, but I started out actually as a dancer when Mm. I was like from age 6 to 16 so I have a an ear for very danceable music and I've always said like I listen more with my body Mm. almost like I think of choreography and um, so so I like alternative music but I also think like there's just so much fun and and sexy and interesting stuff happening with pop mm-hmm. you know and with mm-hmm. dance music um and just a lot of interesting cultural observations and commentary um mm-hmm. but yeah we did decide to focus on alternative and i, I do like alternative music too but it, you'll notice if you listen to old episodes i'm always like okay but what about jay balvin <laughs> <laughs> you were ahead of the Consider curve you were ahead of the curve yeah it seems like these days they they mix it up a little bit more like they did hold yeah jay balvin. i mean you were well you were no, Bad Bunny, right? Was the one the, the guest Bunny. episode you did with them not too long ago? Yeah. That was a really yeah. fun interview. We'll put a great. we'll put a link in the show notes to that. I think we might have already referenced it when we did our Bad Bunny episode, but I really appreciated your questions and like just like hearing your like I think you're a really great interviewer and like oh, makes sense you. from all your years of journalism, but I hadn't gotten to hear you do a lot of interviews in Spanish, so that was also fun to hear that kind of you in that oh mode my God, and then in his you interacting mm-hmm. with him and um I, I thought you did a really great job interviewing him so we'll put a link in the and show I just notes like to melted that. when I heard his Spanish <laughs> I know his voice I right in Spanish is so beautiful yeah he, but yeah. then he has such and an iconic voice right <laughs> I just like I was like I need someone bring me a glass of water <laughs> <laughs> very sexy he's <laughs> a cutie uh, Oh, all right, well, let's move on to your third pick for this episode. So this song is by Juana Molina, and it's called Eras.
Tina is doing some super interesting stuff with loops and digital and just visually also. Yeah, she her work is just so rich and so layered. It's just stunning. It really is. Like, I mean, it's just everything. If you can look at her videos and, and, and I think the way she handles loops is... Um, and sound, I mean, it, it really is like cinematic. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's it, I haven't, I think she's changed the music scene a lot, like mm. she, or affected it. Like it's yeah. like nothing you've heard before. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like when Juana Molina started making like a name for herself, there was just like nothing out there like it, you know? And it's so interesting to me that she just like had to leave Argentina to be able to do that because like who she was in Argentina didn't fit this art that she had inside of her. Mm. Yeah, and I think that happens a lot, right? Yeah. That, like uh, people have to leave their cities or their countries to like make it and then they can come back. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, I grew up with Juana Molina as like a comedian. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. She was like, a, she had a show like SNL and like I never would have thought she was a talented musician. She was just <laughs> right. kind of funny and a staple and and it's so like talk about believing in yourself she um left to become a musician she quit her comedy career and everyone hated what she did right wow um, right <laughs> i mean i don't know how do you guys feel about this like i feel like the latin music industry can is is like wonderful like latin music is obviously wonderful but it also can be really um a place where there's not a lot of room for creative differences. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. I think that there is, in a lot of ways, just like a very small mold of what is appropriate and what like what you can break. And I think that, you know, like there's a lot of, just in terms of the artists that I've interviewed, there's so many artists that I've interviewed that are like, well, I'm doing this thing for now. It's not really like the thing that I want to do, but you know, I'm just trying to like make it out there. And then, and even Bad Bunny, like it's like, I, it's what he did, right? Like he like went in this like very confined lane, right? And he's like a pop artist, right? But he's like, was in this very confined lane of like what it looked like to make it. And then, put out por siempre and it's just like what is all this stuff like we've got like Absolutely. pop punk trap here like you know and um but I do think like either even like smaller scale like um it is it can be it can be like pretty confining I find totally and even yeah like Bad Bunny in our interview he was like oh I'd like to do bolero I'd like to do soundtracks the thing is yeah I think Juana Molina definitely experienced that where she was like um you know, nobody wanted to like to listen to this really different thing, so yeah. she had to leave and try something different. And then I don't know, like one day, I think I was like at NPR, and someone's like, "Have you heard of Juana Molina?" I'm like, "Are you kidding?" Me? <laughs> 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 like the comedy wow. artist. I mean, that's like. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that's what I was reading about her. Right, is that you know, I think partially like the lack of good reception to her first album was because people were like, no, you're a comedian. Like they, you know, like we don't want to allow people to, to go into a different lane when they've already established themselves. And I think that happens here too, right? Like when, when an actress then tries to have like a singing career, I feel like there's a lot of like eye rolling, you know, or like assumption that like they're not right. going to be good at it, you know, and some of them are and some of them aren't, but it's not whether or not it has nothing to do with being an actress. Right. But I think sometimes people can, and then obviously like what she's doing is really, I think avant-garde in a certain way, probably particularly when she started. And so 
um, that's going to make it harder to be received. You know, imagine the people, the people who liked her like comedy show and the people who like her music, like there might not be a lot of overlap between those two groups of people, but that doesn't mean that what she's doing isn't like really interesting. Yeah. I still don't know how popular she is in Argentina, to be honest. I know she's really popular here. Yeah. It's very well received. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just have to say her videos are just stunning and terrifying. Weird. Yeah. Super weird. Yeah. Watch this video, like, y'all. It's super yeah, weird. Yeah, y'all should go to watch the video because, yeah, she's just got, she has like a very specific aesthetic. Yeah. Right. And she's very dark. Obviously, yeah, it's like dark and like gloomy and, and I mean, she, I think that it's very well thought through, you know, it's mm-hmm. not like they put together a video for the song. It's no, like very yeah. intentional. There's a concept, but it might be hard to follow. <laughs> this one was like, <laughs> she, I don't know, something like Blue Man Group meets Mad Scientist or something. <laughs> really strange going on in this video. So you should go check it out um, and see what you think she's going with it. <laughs> and and for this song, like just because like the videos are so terrifying and nightmarish, like I, um, I suggest that you maybe listen while reading uh, one of my favorite mm. Argentine authors, relatively new, um, Mariana Enriquez. That's Enriquez without an H. Um, and she's kind of like being called like the uh, the Latin American Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, um, wow. She's, um, she's relatively new, um, and she, she writes horror uh, stories. Um, like The Things We Lost in the Fire, that book. You know, I started to read it, and... I was like, I don't think I can read this at night at <laughs> home by myself. So scary? I would only read it on the subway. Um, wow. <laughs> uh, it took me a while to finish, but highly, highly recommended. And speaking about like um, Argentina and like ta- you know like more of an incorporation of Latin themes and Latin American themes and folk and like you know it's it's just her books and her her writing is really fantastic. So. Yeah. Do you do yeah. you do you tend to read these authors in like the original Spanish? Do you read them in translation? What's your preference? No, I read them in Spanish. In Spanish yeah, you yeah. got to. Because yeah. <laughs> you were like a teenager, two thousand two. You were like in high school. Yeah. 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 Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, and it's funny. Once I start an author in a language, I can't switch. Mm. Yeah. Like I recently, someone gave me a book like Gabriel Garcia Marquez uh-huh. in English and I was like I'm not going to be able to do that but no. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> I tried I think I tried I actually one of the times that I read 100 Years of Solitude I read it in English because I was like I was curious yeah and it's just like it doesn't hit right you it's know different <laughs> no if you can if you can read in the original I wish I'm just very slow reading in Spanish and so I get frustrated so it's harder like I remember picking up like Harry Potter in Spanish or something to try something that was like like when I was living in Ecuador to try something that felt like lighter and faster because yeah, trying to read, you know, I read literature, like I, I mannered in Spanish literature in college. So I read a lot of literature, but it's not like, you know, easy reading for me. And I mean, those books also, Cien Años is not exactly like beach reading either, you know, but, um, but yeah, I wish I could, I felt more comfortable or felt like it, it's it so was less work. like these little tinkerings of the brain in yeah. bilinguals. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, like, in order to fall asleep, I recently downloaded the um, Game of Thrones audiobook. Whoa. <laughs> that sounds and I, intense. I don't know. I can't. It's in English. Yeah. And, like, I cannot. 
I think what's tripping me up is these extremely Anglo-Saxon names, mm. like Rhaegon and <laughs> yeah, and Baylord. And oh I'm God, just like, yeah. like I find myself instead of trying to go to sleep, I'm like, okay. Who was that? <laughs> yeah, right. Hold on to right. this information. That does not seem like light listening to fall asleep to. I haven't watched it, but I, I understand it's super like violent and bloody and stuff. It was a mistake. I, I should not <laughs> yeah. have like downloaded that book. I'm like, I get the idea though. It's like, this sounds boring. Like I'll fall asleep to it. <laughs> oh, I'm just like, oh my God, what? It's like two in the morning. And I'm like, oh man. What are they doing in the forest? <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> Um, but are you oh, like those like sleepy time podcasts, right? The ones that yeah, are literally yeah. supposed to There's be you to sleep. There's one podcast that I listen to called Sleep With Me, and he tells boring stories. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> like you fall asleep. Amazing. Do you think it's like wait, what kind of like? Do you think it's like he just goes off on tangents and he it's stutters just about a his lot voice, right? He's like it's his voice is like kind of monotone. It's like the worst storyteller of all time. Oh, but don't you think that, does this like affect his ego? And like, I think he's very successful. He does it on purpose. He's right. very successful. Right. It's like, I'm this here to put you to sleep. Gets I, a lot of lessons. I think yeah. it's really interesting, but I also worry about like mind control. <laughs> like, cause literally like people <laughs> are asleep. asleep he's like, plugging and does, yeah, plugging an ad. Yeah. yeah. Does, he have adver- does, beds. does he have advertisements? Middle? He does. Yeah, like that's some creepy shit right there. That's some creepy <laughs> shit. You know, they're like, yes, while you're sleeping, you'll hear this, and then you'll wake up and be like, I really need, you know, I don't know, me undies or whatever the fuck it is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we're not sponsored by. Um, but, uh, Jasmine, do you think that the like horror genre in Argentina is all at all like fueled by the economic collapse? Like, is there a connection um, there? Not necessarily. I, I mean, some of it, yes. Like, Mariana Enriquez, she definitely talks about it. She talks about, like, there's this wonderful horror story about uh, gentrification. And, mm. like, right. it's really, like, it's fantastic. It's right. like this uh, very bougie girl who, who, you know, just, I won't tell you about it. Yeah. But it's just, it's, it's, it's like, she does talk about a lot of topics i mean she also talks about the dictatorship you know Mm -hmm. i mean something i love about her is that a lot of her stories like there's nothing actually magical or supernatural happening it's Mm. just our history it's just real right right reality is horrific enough right yeah yeah made me think about it because in the u.s i feel like there's a there's a surge in um like dystopian um, books, especially like in the young adult arena, which like I'm pretty focused on, and I think it's totally connected to like our political climate in this sort oh, of dystopian right. interest in dystopia. And yeah, some of them are not that dystopic; they're actually just really like playing out what actually exists now. So that's what maybe nice. absolutely. I think it's probably a combination. You know, I recently found out that A Handmaid's Tale was in, like uh, inspired by Argentina in the during the dictatorship. Oh wow, really? Oh. I didn't even know that. Damn, and, I had um, no idea. No, I read that in college. Wow. Yeah, like kind of the the, tre- the way women were treated. So I think you know there's like a fairly brutal past, and I think there's also some themes of like magical realism mm-hmm. and. There's always in Latin American literature, like also like themes of like, like nature eventually um, taking us over. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like I mean, I I mm-hmm. recently reread like the the Venezuelan classic uh, Doña Barbara, mm-hmm. and it's all about like nature coming back for its revenge. Yeah. you know, yeah. like the Amazon <laughs> comes back. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think it's a little, that's a great question. I think it's a little bit of all. Yeah. Right, 
Right. All right. So the next song is Miss Bolivia and Jimena Barón, and it's called Se Quema. Ya me cansé de que te meta, ya me cansé de que me digas que esté quieta, que sea dócil, tranquila, discreta, de que te asustes cuando mostramos las tetas. Usted me quiere así, fina y completa, solo si se me respeta, meta y meta, dándole a la dieta para la figura escultural y la silueta. Pero ando por otro camino, más bien ando por otro planeta, así que sube la bragueta, cabrón, porque hoy no traje bragas, traje la escopeta y te meneo y muevo el culo como poeta hago poesía de las nietas de todas las brujas que nunca pudiste quemar como paga efectivo tarjeta se quema se quema y ya no lo van a poder apagar me vuelvo a una fiera y con todo este fuego le vamos a dar candela candela y ya no nos van a poder callar se quema se quema y mientras se quema me pongo a menear si pagas con tarjeta Seguro te la rebote mi escopeta y no te va a alcanzar No podrás pagar porque no estoy en venta Si tienes cash y mi culo te tienta Piensas que soy cenicienta Quieres intentar, yo te haré estallar Tus zapatos no mentan Y ahora venimos con el ritmo que explota Con este fuego que me quema la boca Y no podrás porque no estoy en venta No, no, no Tell us about this um, I love Miss Bolivia. Um, I think yeah. she um, does a lot of like what would it, like maybe like techno tropical mm-hmm. stuff. Jimena mm-hmm. um, Barón is like a newer pop artist, um, but I also brought her because so I think there's just like a wonderful feminist movement. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Right now. And they're very openly and explicitly feminist. Absolutely. And the song, like, yeah, for sure. Yes, and like Jimena Barón is someone like who has been super, like, I mean, she's like pop star level, like, you know, uh, Britney, mm-hmm. or Lady, like actual pop star, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, but she's also someone who is constantly talking about like legalizing abortion and mm-hmm. like feminist, uh, like domestic violence. And like, she's part of this conversation that's happening along um, around a lot of Argentine women about um, women's rights um, and, in fact, the video features uh, this author and uh, feminist, uh, Luciana Becker, um, mm-hmm. who has two wonderful books. One is called Putita Golosa, mm-hmm. about like, how, you know, how to grow up in a society like Argentine society and a lot of Latin American society, and maybe even American in the mm-hmm. US society, right? Where like, you're not really encouraged to like, know your body or express your sexuality at all and like kind of how to transition into like really enjoying yourself yeah um and la revolución de las hijas which Mm. is similar um i think that luciana becker for in terms of like latin american new like this newer generation of feminism is like a must read that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And for listeners who don't know, uh, you did a segment on This American Life about yeah. sort of like the emergent feminist conversation in the Argentine mainstream, yeah? Mm. Yeah. Um, it was really interesting. I think, you know, I never gave much thought to the way I grew up mm-hmm. in terms of like, I gave a lot of thought to the way I grew up in terms of race and in terms of class, mm-hmm. but I didn't think too much in fr- terms of like... Uh, 
gender mm-hmm. and sexuality. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, like, just a symptom of, like, how oppressive it was. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't think about the mm. fact that, like, going out into the street was, like, scary sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I remember for that segment, like, I interviewed a lot of friends. I interviewed one of my best friends. Uh, and she said this thing to me, which was, like, but don't you remember, like, going out dancing and deciding to wear comfortable shoes in case you had to run on the way back home? Ugh. And, like, it was this moment when she said that, I was like, yeah, I do remember, actually. And, like, this moment of, like, oh, like, shit was fucked up. We just made space for it. Yeah. Yeah. We just, like, were, like, I don't know. There's, like, a level of oppression where you don't even question Mm -hmm. what's happening. There's no no space to question it. And Mm -hmm. I think um, there's this uh, generation now, something that's happening now is questioning that, is saying, like, do not grab me on the street. Do not catcall. Do not use that language with me. Mm-hmm. This is not okay. And also, like, reproductive rights, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that is something that is, is taking place. And it was it was really great to, like, to be able to talk to women like Luciana Beckett and Miss Bolivia. And, yeah. That's a really cool segment. Yeah. We'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. So, yeah, I, li- I like this song a lot because it's just such a feminist jam and talking about, you know sort of a, I feel like a thing that is also talked about in the U.S. right now, of just like, you know, we're the product of the witches you didn't burn kind of idea, right? Like there's a line in the song that kind of references that and um, it just feels like a total feminist anthem. I've been reading another book. Um, oh my gosh, I'm turning this into a book club. I'm sorry. I love that. We've never done that. It's like, I love the idea of like, it's like music and book pairings. It's like wine and cheese pairings or something. You know, yeah. it's like, these <laughs> things go well together. I think that's really beautiful. I can't really read and listen to music at the same time, but I love the like idea of it. I mean, yeah, exactly. Maybe you can do one and then the other. But right. I'm reading this other book. Um, it's not a Latin book. It's called The Caliban and the Witch. Mm. Oh, um, yeah, I read that. kind of about like... Um, pre-Christian, uh, like, pagan religions and, and, and um, just, like, you know, what happened, uh, like, when we transitioned from feudalism to capitalism in, in mm. Europe and, like, how women got really fucked by, like, that, by yeah. that, you know? Yeah. And, like, this, this, these accusations of witchcraft um, against, like, people practicing, like, uh, non-Christian religions, like, the, the role that feudalism... And that transition into capitalism plays on women. So interesting. It's mm-hmm. Super interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All the witches you didn't burn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the role that cumbia plays in Argentina today? So you tell, you talked to us a little bit about cumbia villera. Yeah. And um, where do you see cumbia today? I think there's been sort of a renaissance with cumbia. Yeah, and I think that is directly, you can trace that back to uh, cumbia queers. Like, mm-hmm. it's very much more, like, women can participate mm-hmm. in it. Um, I think, you know, everything is everything, right? Right. So, like, <laughs> all these, op- I would say that our society has, like, opened quite a bit. Yeah. You know, and there's, like, I don't know, like, um, you know, when I was little, like, I so badly wanted to be a soccer player and go to soccer mm. games and, like, absolutely forbidden. Like, girls don't go to soccer games. Mm. Girls don't play soccer. Wow. Um, and now, like, it's such a joy to see, like, coverage of the Argentine 
soccer team. Right. Women's soccer team. The Women's World Cup is happening right now. Yeah. And, like, in this video also you see uh, Argentine uh, female soccer players. Um, and I think, like, with Colombia, it's something similar. Like, it's been more, like, women are going into it. Colombia mm -hmm. is, like, mainstream, but not in a way where you, like, get on the bus. Or, like me, like, you're at a school dance and you're like, oh, when are you going to play the Backstreet Boys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, this is our thing this is our this is our jam and and it's it can be really good it's like everything right there yeah. can be a really crappy cumbia of course and yeah but i love cumbia mm -hmm. <laughs> me too me too yeah we did a cumbia episode like early last i think I like last september and it was really <laughs> people really liked it i mean cumbia crosses so many borders right there's so many countries that yeah. really claim cumbia and and it's in yeah, part it's of their like music everywhere i'm not sure about brazil but i think yeah, like there's me in Mexico, to, you know, yeah, obviously started in Colombia, Colombia, but yeah. then like Subia, Mexico, all the way down to Argentina. It's just like, yeah, it's like made its little path all over the place. Yeah, I don't feel like it's as yeah. big in the Caribbean necessarily, but definitely in like yeah. Central America and South America, it's very, it's very big. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's really fun. Like it, it, Cumbia sometimes like you hear it, but it's like, oh, that's Colombian music. Mm. You know, like you don't think we don't have like a culture of cumbia there's a word venezuela is like very caribbean you know mm -hmm. like culturally you know like i always tell people like we play baseball we don't play soccer you know yeah. like so it's like culturally a lot more similar to places like yeah. cuba and dr and puerto rico than right. like even colombia who's next door and yeah. a totally different relationship with the u.s yeah than the rest yeah. of Latin right America, yeah. it's so interesting what you said yeah. about soccer because i grew up playing like all the sports but and my father would deny this now, I think. Like, we had an argument about it a few years ago. But he told me um, that I couldn't play soccer because it was too aggressive for girls, basically. And so, like, I literally played all the other sports, but I never played soccer um, because wow. of that. Yeah. And, yeah, he says he never said that. I'm like, why would I make that oh, up? Oh, God. But whatever. Parents, like, re revisionist history from parents. I know. Yeah. I'm like, you, like I very you literally like, think. Please don't gaslight me right now. I made this up? Like, what the hell? But whatever. He doesn't listen to the podcast, so it's fine. So, um, and, I, you know, it's like, I, it's not like I had some, you know, future as a soccer star or something like that. But, I, you know, I played all the, like, rec league sports <laughs> as a kid. And I, I remember him being like, no, it's yeah. too it's too violent or something. You know, and I'm like, okay. So, like, how is it more violent? I had, I got the same exact thing. I got, like, it's not for late young right. ladies. Yeah. Right. And I was like, well, you know, I, I do. Like, honestly, so I was, like, going to um, go to, uh, I got accepted to play in River Plate, which is, like, a big team. Oh, wow. And, you know, my dad was like, no es para señoritas. And I was like, oh. I just so you did have a future <laughs> that was. Well, I don't know if I had a that future. That was truncated. Call it <laughs> argument that, like, it's violent. Like, and then it was yeah. like, go play hockey. Yeah. <laughs> like, like field hockey or like no, hockey that's hockey violent. yeah that's like actually literally violent <laughs> hockey yeah I think it's partially because my stepbrother was actually a really good soccer player and like played in college and like could I think could have had a career as like a semi-pro and you know when you play soccer well like you get pretty beat up right because it is it's not a contact yeah. sport but it can be there can be a lot of contact but whatever I would have been like I'm so not aggressive like I would have been such a low-key soccer player so oh my god and you guys I know. when I was a kid in in public school so like the girls would um the, and this was recent you know I'm not like Tita Merelo <laughs> but like the girls would um, be taught how to embroider um, wow. Well, the boys would play soccer. Oh my wow. god! And I, I remember like being embroidering these dumb handkerchiefs. Oh my god! And like, like looking I out the window. <laughs> like, oh, so <laughs> regressive. Damn. Oh my god. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. 
typical. I went to all girls school, so I didn't know what the boys were doing. Were you learning I didn't to find s- out what I was sew? missing out on? Were they teaching you how to sew? Did they teach you how to sew? Um, I think that I do remember some embroidery in an arts class. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Was it a Catholic? School? It was a Catholic school. Yeah. Nice. It was a Catholic school. Well, I'm happy to report that in the '90s and. Even in North Carolina public schools, there, we did not have that kind of gender divide where the boys were, like, <laughs> playing sports and we were so... I mean, there was definitely home ec, but it was, like, you know, everybody took it. <laughs> it wasn't just the girls. I want to give a shout-out to this video before we talk about the next song because it's another gem. And um, there's some great, like, beauty pageant critiques and also some uh, fire perreo in a laundromat, <laughs> which I nice. appreciate. Some, love, <laughs> some laundromat dancing. I know. There's like a few videos that have taken place I in a laundromat. It's like a thing. Laundromats be more like that. I know. Yeah. Laundromats are more romanticized in music videos than they are in yeah. real life. I, in, I went to my laundromat this morning. Right. And it was not. And like in movies this. too. It was a letdown. <laughs> <laughs> right. I feel like movies and and maybe it's because of ne- the influence of New York City on you know pop culture that like laundromats are so much more of a thing there. But people don't really meet their like love of their life in the laundromat usually. You know? I know there's just so many things like the New York City has influenced pop culture. I know. Where I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish it was like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like it's trust me, no one's dancing at my laundromat. No, no, <laughs> like, not at all. No, no, they're watching novelas in the corner. Probably. Yeah, or it's yeah. like people are getting yelled at. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. So the next song is by Paula Mafia y la Cosa Mostra, and it's called Puñalada. Quiero un hachazo, sí. Una puñalada. Como lo sabrías. Me gusta morir todas las veces necesarias. Rétame un partido de esgrima verbal. Um, yeah, so uh, full disclosure, Paula Mafia and I, Mafia, sorry, Paula oh, Mafia. Mafia and I, um, uh, we've known each other since we were like eight years old. Aww. We went to school together. Cute. Yeah, That's amazing. my first crush. Um, and <laughs> um, she went on to become a wonderful, wonderful musician. I think La Cosa Mostra is like a, a great name. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is her previous band. Um, and... I don't know. I, I think it's it's just a wonderful song. I also think um, this is a band, uh, a lot of her work. Uh, she also has another band, Las Taradas. Mm. Um, and like they, you know, there's so much like Italian influence in Argentina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, she like melds a lot of um, mambo, like mambo italiano, and like uh, bolero italiano, um, and she, they sing sometimes in Italian. And I think La Puñalada is like a really great um, uh, example of like mixing kind of like an Italian mambo style mm -hmm. um, and a, like a swing. Mm. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And you have a recommended reading to go along with yes, it. Yes, uh, Samantha Schweblin, another also, um, I'm starting on hers. I can't say too much, but I can say also a newer uh, uh, writer in the horror genre. Mm, ah. um, yeah, I guess a lot of like horror genre. I guess you I really, you really like horror, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I don't really, I don't have a history of ever reading horror. I recently read this book by Carmen Maria Machado called Her Body and Other Parties. Oh, and yes. I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like very looking forward to reading some of these because I can't watch horror. Like, me asusto. Me uh, but this was very cool. And just like the queer feminist critique. Yeah, and, you know, horror as a venue for that is yeah. so interesting. I tried. Which I should mention, most of the authors I brought are also uh, queer authors. Oh, um, that's so cool. Beautiful. Samantha. Well, I don't know about Samantha Schwabling, but definitely uh, Enriquez. Um, I don't know. Like Vero, I can't, um, I cannot watch horror movies. I, <laughs> no, I can't either. Be... I tried to read that book because everyone's raving about her. And it turns out she's Cuban-American, which I didn't realize. Yeah, um, she is. And I read the first story and I was like, I can't, I can't. This is like too dystopian and creepy. And I just like, I just like, so I loved that stuff as a kid. Actually, I read a lot of horror in like middle school and high school. Like R.L. Like Stein. R.L. Stein, but also like <laughs> Stephen King and watched all these horror movies. I was like super into it. And now I feel like I can't consume the news and read horror. Like it's like either one or the other. And I'm so, more like I won't sleep. You know, it's interesting because I can't watch horror films, but like, so like there's, when there's a movie I really wish I could watch, but I, like, uh, The Witch. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to watch The Witch. Mm. Or what's the other one that people are saying is, like, the most terrible? Oh, Hereditary. Oh, no. Mm -mm. I really mm -mm. wanted to watch it, and I was like, there's no way I can watch this without, like, ruining my life and yeah. everyone's life around me. Um, so what I do is, like, I read the synopsis <laughs> on Wikipedia, and I'll, like, be on the subway reading the synopsis, or in my room, like, reading the synopsis of The Witch, and I'll be like... Oh my god, this wow. is so terrifying. Wow. Like I'm reading a Wikipedia entry. <laughs> and you're freaked out. That's how I would be. I watched Get Out and the only way I was able to watch Get Out was by having I watched it with friends who'd already seen it and I literally made them sit down before we saw it and tell me all of the spoilers. I'm like, tell me what's going to happen. And like one of them was so mad because they're like anti-spoiler. And I'm like, I'm asking you, and I'm like, I can't watch this unless you do this with me. And then I was watching it, but also kind of like working on my computer at the same time. Like I had to create so much like stuff to be able to watch it and I just felt like I needed to for the sort of like political and cultural purpose of it yeah you know I'm a big I also close my eyes and then yeah, I'm I like close my eyes. is it over and then if someone is lying I'm like don't lie to me I can hear the music <laughs> <laughs> like I know that something bad is still happening yeah. <laughs> do you um is there um so yeah. so Paula uh, Mafia is your like childhood friend what's what do you know about her music career uh, we, she's a childhood friend, um, and she's just had a wonderful music career, and she's someone who, you know, I'm very comfortable bringing her music, because I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, uh, and she's also someone who is extremely active um, in uh, LGBT rights mm, in Argentina, cool. uh, abortion rights, um, and feminist issues. Um, 
And I think her music really reflects that all the time. Um, so I love it. Yeah, she's wonderful. I love it. Beautiful. Awesome. Should we do our last song? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Oh, it's coming to Hi. an end. <laughs> 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 All right, well, let's get into it. This is Sofia Rey, and it's Arriba Quemando el Sol. tradition of Juana Molina and that she's doing something really different mm -hmm. and like very uh landscape like almost like a musical landscape yeah yeah uh like I've gone to her shows she lives here in New York and mm. um it's just like a trip like li just listening to her is a trip and her voice is is um uh an instrument um I think you know the difference maybe with Juana Molina is that she explores a lot of folk um she uh, like this music that I brought here. She has this whole like electronic uh, reinterpretation of Violeta Parra. Mm. Oh wow! Yeah, and like all of Violeta Parra's work, and and in that sense, I also think it fits. It's such a meditation on feminism. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, just being a Latin American woman, mm -hmm. and so to go to her shows and see her reinterpret Violeta Parra through loops. Wow, that's so cool. It's amazing. Like El Gavilan and all these, you know, throbbing and like, ¿cómo se diría? Like, how do you say desgarrador? Like, we don't have to translate it. Okay. Let's <laughs> not do that. Um, yeah, um, it's, I don't know, it's just spectacular. Yeah. Yeah, her stuff is so, so beautiful. I really, really like it. Yeah. Um, her, I mean, her voice, like, I've heard her sing acoustic, and it's, um, right. it's like, it's like an instrument, like, it, it's like when you really realize, like, with a classically trained singer, mm -hmm. that, like, oh, this is an instrument that she plays, in right. addition to, like, she plays, like, everything else. and everything yeah. else, piano, yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. I would really like to see a performance, I'll look out for a show by her. Yeah, she, she plays all around, um, New Yeah, and York, she's based and in New York, yeah. Yeah. Here in Brooklyn. Great. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> and she's, um, are you familiar with El Colectivo Sud, Jasmine? Her? Yeah. 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 She's one of the co-founders. Mm -hmm. um, it's like to increase awareness of South American music, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, which is another great thing. Like all these organizations that, you know, the, the, the rec recording industry 
it's just such a behemoth, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, if you only pay attention to the recording industry, you might right. think there's only, like, two or three styles of Latin American music. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, there's so much other interesting oh my God. stuff happening. Yeah. Pop and rock and everything. Yeah. 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 Which is why I appreciate you guys so much. Aww, thank <laughs> you. We appreciate well, you. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for bringing all this amazing I music. Know. I think all that these mujeres. Love yes. It. Well, one of the things that Perez and I often talk about is that because we're both Caribbean, like mm-hmm. it's so Caribbean heavy sometimes. Mm-hmm. I love show. that about the show. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes we we're get shade from it. people. It's just like, you know, like there's like other Latinx things, which is fine. But um, that we need help. So thank you so much for spending, <laughs> you know, like some time with us to, uh, you know, time to pick out songs, time to record with us. Mm-hmm. This has been really fun. Yeah. This was so much fun. I used to get the same with Felix. It was like, oh, you know, it's not all Mexican and South American, <laughs> right. which is why you bring guests. I mean, everyone has right. their, like, sweet spots and blind right. spots. Right, right, right. Exactly. For sure. <laughs> And we'll make sure to put some information about how people can follow you and your work. Are you like a big Twitter person? Do you have other places um, where people can follow what you're doing for NPR? I uh, I think I, I do use Twitter. I mostly just like comment on Beto's. Beto <laughs> <laughs> is a serious tweeter. It's true. It's true. She has a lot of opinions. She is. We She's love very funny it. on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. The right kind of snark for Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we'll put your your Twitter handle in the in the show notes as well so people can keep following you. But thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was a I lot of fun. Enjoy, I forgot that I love to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome back. Welcome back anytime. Well, as always, all the information for all the songs we played, all the book recommendations, the radio segments that <laughs> Jasmine has been on is going to be included in the show notes. So if any of this uh, piqued your interest, you'll be able to find it there. And make sure to follow us on social media. Um, we're at Radio Manea on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have a growing email newsletter. So if you want to subscribe to that, check out the link in the show notes. We send an email every time we drop an episode with information about the episode, but also some extra bonus content of things that Veto and I are kind of excited about or reading in that particular week. So go ahead and sign up in our show notes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, y'all. Hasta la próxima. Bye. Murmurar y rebuznar, más la fealdad que Dios me dio. Mucha mujer me la envidió y no dirán que me engrupí porque modesta siempre fui. Yo soy así.